Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well here on a Sunday, the Sunday Perspectives show. You know, this week, if you listen to the show on Wednesday, if you've had a chance to get to that one, uh, we had a really good uh, conversation with uh, JJ, Joseph Jacks, looking at kind of the evolution of, of commercial open source software, something that uh, he focuses a lot on, and we've obviously, uh, you know, been covering for, for a lot of years. And it really got me thinking, you know, how has the cloud changed open source licensing or how has open source licensing been changed by the cloud? And so it kind of got me thinking about those topics. And that's really going to be the focus of today's conversation or really today's Sunday perspectives. I kind of want to think about, you know, how is it changing? Is it impacting kind of the competitiveness of our industry? Is it opening up new opportunities? And, um, you know, what other second and third order effects might we be seeing as some of the you know larger projects that are very successful are beginning to change their licensing to uh, to deal with some impacts of the cloud. So we're going to get to that right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Onyx, the award-winning cloud solutions provider. As a premier Google Cloud partner and an advanced consulting partner for AWS, Onyx is the partner you need to take advantage of all the cloud has to offer. Always on, Onyx provides consulting services for cloud infrastructure, collaboration, devices, enterprise search, and geospatial technology. They build long-standing, authentic relationships with their clients. Onyx's cloud data experts are your trusted advisors for discovery and planning to data migration, storage, and visualization. Their team provides experienced machine learning consulting and ensures you are maximizing your data's value. See why 97% of their clients say they're satisfied with the work Onyx has done for them. For a limited time, Onyx is offering your organization a free six-hour cloud data strategy workshop, normally valued at over $2,000. For more information on this special offer, visit onyxnet.com slash thecloudcast. That's O-N-I-X-N-E-T dot com, onyxnet.com slash thecloudcast. We're back. And folks, you know, this is a topic that I think about quite a bit, um, you know, partially because a lot of my day job is involved with open source and open source projects and open source licensing and and to a certain extent, you know, how these different projects are evolving with the cloud. So I thought what I would do as we did in previous um, Sunday Perspective show was was really kind of use the same framework that uh, we had used last week, which is sort of things that we know, uh, looking at kind of the overall uh, trajectory of the cloud, of the industry, of projects, and so forth. You know, what are some things that we're pretty sure will evolve, but we're not 100% sure? And then what are some of the big unknowns and uncertainties that, uh, you know, lie ahead? Um, I want to sort of start off with a couple of things as we think about, you know, open source and and how it impacts the cloud. You know, the first thing that really comes to mind is, is that open source has become mainstream for innovation. And it may not always be at the sort of top of the innovation that you see, but for the most part, it's really kind of living under the covers of a lot of the innovation. And, and I, you know, I say this, uh, you know, the technology that runs in your smartphone, a lot of that's open source. A lot of the technology that you use as you're consuming cloud computing, whether it's infrastructure level or other things, is based on open source software. It really is, has been a lot of the foundation of the economics that allows cloud computing to scale the way it does, but also it's becoming more and more a place that that enterprises and mid-sized companies 
are, and even governments, are adopting you know, more and more beyond just Linux, right? So we're seeing them look at open source not only as being something that's, uh, you know, relatively stable, uh, whether, you know, it comes from various very, uh, ways of consuming it from the community or whether they're participating in the community. So we're seeing that more and more. Um, we're also, you know, we're starting to see, you know, it's, it's be kind of, again, become sort of the de facto thing. You really think of it as, you know, we used to have standards bodies. Um, now we have open source communities. We don't really ever talk about necessarily standards bodies anymore, but we talk about, is it open source? Is there a, uh, an implementation in open source that is the same or very close to, uh, the technology that you're looking at? So we're, you know, we, we've seen this thing move from, you know, it's this sort of weird niche thing. It's only there to to take cost out of proprietary systems. Uh, we're not really sure who's going to participate to, you know, large companies participating, lots and lots of individual contributors con- uh, participating and, and everywhere in between. And then again, that technology sort of trickles out and uh, spreads itself out into one way or the other, all of the things that we really deal with. So, you know, we've gotten to a point where, um, you know, there are lots of ways to create a company that monetizes open source in one way, shape, or another. Uh, you know, there are companies like Red Hat who takes sort of a 100% open source, you know, mostly focuses on on supportability uh, and integration capabilities. You see others uh, begin to take more of a an open core approach, which is, um, you know, we've, we've, we use the open source bits, the core things that are in the community, but maybe one company doesn't necessarily fork that, but builds a bunch of proprietary additional features that they then charge additionally for. So we've seen that, uh, you know, work quite a bit. But now we're also beginning to see this trend where, um, you know, large projects that are very, very successful um, as software are beginning becoming services within the public cloud. Um, and, you know, we've seen this with CockroachDB, we've seen this with MySQL, we've seen this with, you know, pretty much all the database technologies we've seen this with. Um, we're seeing it with Elasticsearch, we're seeing it with MongoDB, we're seeing it with a lot of the services that are very data centric. And, you know, so we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what that that shift means. But, um, you know, we're seeing more and more of the public cloud providers, whether it's AWS, Azure, Google, or, or even other cloud providers, um, you know, begin to offer those core open source bits, really not change, but, you know, as a managed service, the big differentiation they're providing is um, kind of the expertise in how to make them highly available, how do they offer them um, without you having to, you know, have technicians running them, and then how do you manage scalability and so forth. So those are very, very important things. Now, I'll point out uh, one thing at this point, you know, I'm not going to be able to give you everything that you'd need to know about this. Uh, this is only going to be about a 15 or 20 minute show, but I did put a number of very good articles that are written by um, some folks that are really looking at this from from different perspectives. So a couple of articles in there that are very good from Stephen O'Grady from Redmonk, a really well-known analyst in our industry, who's looked at the changes in licensing, uh, recent changes, what they might mean, why they were created. Also put a link to a really good article by Ben Thompson, who runs the Stratechery, uh, both podcasts as well as uh, website. Uh, you know, Ben looks at it from a little more of a business perspective, less from a technical perspective. Um, so, you know, lots of good perspective in there. I included uh, a recent email from Elastic as they made their changes and a lot of articles they've recently written about why they did it, what was the competitive nature of it. So, um, you know, take kind of what I'm talking about, but also augment it with those articles to really kind of give you good foundation. Now, you know, as I started thinking about this, I started thinking about, um, you know, the, the, the thing that we're seeing at the forefront these days is we're seeing 
some very, very large projects, uh, mentioned Cockroach, um, MongoDB, Elastic, uh, some, you know, there's been several others who have sort of said, well, you know, we're, we're not real happy with the cloud providers um, offering our, what they consider their technology, right? They're sort of the dominant one in a given open source project. So it's not really purely their technology, but, but they've got a, a dominant stake in this. Um, they're not happy with that technology being offered as a service. Um, ultimately, you know, there are arguments to be made about was it open enough um, or, you know, whatever, um, it doesn't appear that any of the cloud providers have violated any any licensing in terms of that. There may be some questions about whether or not they properly use the trademarks. Um, you know, Amazon in particular has some offerings that use the project's name uh, in their offering, but that's not here or there for this discussion. Um, and and so what they've begun to do is create some different licensing models. Um, the one in particular that's getting a lot of attention is SSP uh, SSPL uh, server side. Uh, public license, which really kind of essentially says if you're going to run this software as a managed service, you not only have to uh, give back any changes you make to the code, which isn't an unusual request for an open source license, but they also say that you've got to be able to give back the other things that you do, um, you know, the elements that are associated with that to run the to run the actual service. And, and obviously, this is where you get into um, kind of the special sauce, if you will, of what the cloud providers do, and probably not something that they can easily um, you know, provide into back into the community because it, it's probably not an individual thing. It's going to be a fairly uh, large-scale thing. So these SS, uh, SSPL licenses are kind of intended uh, to sort of you know, put some pressure on the cloud providers to say, "Hey, um, you know, we, we prefer that you don't just take this. Uh, if you're going to, t- you know, going to use the code, please give back in different ways and and try to change the dynamics there. And and the thing to really think about here, again, I'm not going to try and take one side or the other. Uh, is is I really been sort of thinking about, you know, what are the ramifications of this? You know, early on for open source, a lot of it was, uh, you know, multiple groups could get together, multiple individuals, companies could get together, and there were a lot of benefits. Number one. Uh, you had a lot of perspective, different perspectives on on building these new technologies, how to secure them, what new use cases would be appropriate, and so forth. So uh, the collaboration was really important. Um, it did allow uh, companies to sort of offload the amount of work that had to get done, their engineering costs. Um, they could they could take from those communities, they could give to those communities, but nobody really owned 100% of it. Uh, we saw this in projects like Linux and Kubernetes and, and plenty of others. Um, but we've also seen some of these more data-centric projects where there really is a dominant company um, that that sort of leads it. So it is much more of, I don't want to say a proprietary model, but but much more of a sort of individual commercial company kind of cost model, right? So, you know, if you're if you're writing and owning 80% of the code, I mean, essentially it's your project from a cost perspective. And so um, you know, I can understand why people get upset about it. Now, what becomes interesting is if the cloud providers are continuing to offer a service on the other side of something that does now have an SSPL license, they really, you know, begin to have to think about, do I take on that burden? And I know that some of these companies probably think, okay, that's one way to counteract them, you know, uh, offering a service and taking a bunch of money that might've gone to their own service. The challenge there is that, you know, a lot of these companies as an open source company, you're not that big. I mean, you may be a few hundred engineers, maybe a few thousand engineers, the cloud providers are probably just as big as you are in that service as you might be the entire company. So it's not obvious that that's not that that's necessarily going to deter them from continuing to do this, especially for popular projects. 
Um, you know, and the other part is is you start to think about, you know, can is the is the approach to take, um, you know, beginning to offer your own services, and we'll kind of get into that and the how will this evolve. So, you know, we have this situation in which we have very popular projects, which is great. Um, more and more, we're seeing them kind of be dominated by a single vendor, especially sort of in the data-centric, uh, you know, data-centric database streaming types of application space. So the dynamics are a little different than we've seen maybe in other more broadly uh, adopted technologies and open source. Again, I mentioned Linux and Kubernetes as a couple of examples. Um, you know, so the dynamics are there to kind of understand, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's changing. And then I started looking at this from, from Ben Thompson's perspective, which was, um, you know, is this maybe a good thing? Is the licensing thing actually a good thing? Is it going to create some new situations? And, you know, Ben has some some very good perspectives on this. You know, he essentially says, um, number one, uh, they absolutely um, have an opportunity to, uh, you know, begin to create more features, especially in their managed service offerings. So we're seeing more and more of those companies offering managed service offerings. And quite honestly, you know, as much as a lot of the technologists sort of want to say, well, if you change your license, you get rid of your community, you sort of fight against your community to a certain extent, you're probably doomed in the long run. At least in the short term, a lot of these companies, as they've transitioned to more SaaS type of offerings, are doing very, very well, right? Their earnings continue to be up. That part of their business continues to grow. um, And they're able to now match and in some cases be much better than the cloud offerings, right? They've got the same scalability that is there because they know how to run their software. They're able to take advantage of the fact that they're in multiple clouds. Um, They're able to take advantage of the fact they have multiple places to offer it. And in many cases, they've sort of adopted an open core model um, where, you know, they're able to offer additional features that maybe aren't part of the uh, sort of the base open source project. So it is sort of an interesting trade-off to say, well, from a technology perspective, from a community perspective, you would think that, you know, cutting off certain things may dis, dis, uh, dis uh, interest the community in uh, in working with you. In most cases, that licensing doesn't really impact your customers. It really just impacts, you know, how the cloud providers might have to take on more cost. Um, and it does, you know, offer some some unique advantages in terms of being able to probably better understand your software better than anybody else. Um, you can update it probably faster in some cases and the community is going to get updated. There, there are some nuances in there, but it is very, very interesting. Um, the next thing I really started thinking about was, you know, what does the what does the role of, of open source sort of play in in all these things going forward, right? Obviously, you know, for a long time, projects started as open source because uh, a it allowed other people to come in and work in the community. So that's all would happen. Again, a lot of these projects, when you've got a dominant pro, uh, you know company running it, that's not necessarily you know a huge aspect of the equation. The second part became well. I need to have some sort of free offering that that developers can play with and people can play with and they can do things with. Well, there is some trade-offs there, right? If if your only goal was to have sort of a free tier, um, which we've seen in the public cloud, we we see free offerings out in the marketplace, even with proprietary software. You know, how important is that free tier versus how important is the ability to say, hey, this is something that you could play around with and customize and build a new interface for, or somebody could, you know, tweak a feature and kind of get it to work in their unique environment. So, you know, we're starting to sort of narrow down what was the what was the reason it was open source to begin with. Um, was it for marketing reasons? Was it for, you know, cost reasons? Was it for, you know, kind of community interaction reasons? And then the last part is, you know, more and more we're seeing 
um, these projects quickly become cloud offerings, right? Everything from, uh, you know, data services to networking services, observability services and so forth. And, you know, so you again start to wonder like, okay, if they're going to quickly become cloud services and maybe they're going to become cloud services from a lot of different companies, um, you know, what, what aspect then did, did open source really play? Because, if you're offering it as a cloud service, you're probably not going to give back how you make it scalable, just like you don't want Amazon, you, you, you know, you, we don't expect Amazon or Azure or anybody else to give it back. So, you know, I think the dynamics are really starting to change. And I think a lot of this comes, you know, back to maybe not so much open source, but the fact that people are becoming more and more comfortable consuming things as the cloud. And the thing that they've, you know, it really kind of got me thinking, like, what is the thing that they value? Do they value free? Do they value stability? Do they value customization? Or do they value this operationalization, right? Like we're seeing the growth of, of cloud services across IaaS, PaaS, and SaaS. It feels more and more like the thing that, that customers ultimately value is that, that operationalization, maybe more so, not, not exclusively, but maybe more so than and some of those other things like like freeness or you know long term support or or custom you know customization customability um, you know so it does it does sort of make me think that the dynamics of the game are really changing right maybe we're a little too focused on the nuances of the licensing we're not focused enough on kind of the the changes that people have in in the way that they value software ultimately how they consume software how they get software and maybe less so like was it just because it was open source, right? And we're still seeing innovation from a lot of places. The last piece that I'll kind of think about, and you know, I've thought about this a lot. I've mentioned this in prediction shows, and I talked about it with with uh, with JJ and, and with others. I'm really very very curious how the VC community will view the changes in competitive landscape and licensing. Right? They're ultimately looking at this. They're going, I'm going to invest my dollars in companies and founders and ideas and innovation. But, you know, they look at the competitive dynamics and it makes me wonder, you know, will they continue to invest in these you know, these companies that are kind of based on open source projects? Are they going to be looking further up the stack uh, for their future funding models? Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm very curious how, um, you know, those things are going to kind of play themselves out. I, I think I have some sense of it, but I don't know that we've seen enough sort of data trends and this last year with COVID and everything kind of kind of skews some things. So definitely something we're definitely gonna be keeping an eye on for the next uh, year or two, just to see if we're seeing any trends, you know, positive or negative in terms of the source of funding for a lot of these innovations that for you know, the last decade plus have really spurred a lot uh, to come out of, of, of open source originated projects that have become other things. Will that continue into the next couple of years? That That's kind of to be determined. So with that, uh, I know I kind of went all over the place with this one. You know, it's something that I'm still trying to completely wrap my head around. Um, I appreciate the fact that there are a lot of very, very smart people that have been writing about this, digging into it, looking at both sides of the equation or actually multiple sides of the equation. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks to everybody who listens as always, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 